If you want to come up here, our speaker today is going to be Kim Swartz. She did speak for us last year, and this year she's going to tell us how to be brave with your budget. Kim is a member of Cape Bible Chapel. She has four kids and nine grandkids, so she, she knows where we're all coming from. You guys want to welcome Kim? Well, uh, this is my presentation. No, it is. <laughs> Y'all were going to shudder, weren't you? You'd have to listen to me for way too long. I'm so excited to be here. And I really am excited because I came previously and you've invited me back. So that is like a double invitation to me and it blesses my heart. Um, before I start to speak, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer if you don't mind. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, um, we're so grateful for your goodness to us. Your mercy and your generosity blow my mind, and day after day you do a new thing in our lives. Over and over again you bless us with something unexpected. Uh, I had a, a text message this morning from a friend praying for me uh, as I began to uh, plan to speak this morning. It's just a, a sweet blessing uh, that came to me straight from your hand through her, and that's why we're here. Um, we're going to talk about finances today, Father, and what you've allowed in our lives is so very much more than many in our world experience, not just financially, but, Father, spiritually. Uh, let our hearts forever be open and soft to receive, to see with your eyes, and to bless others as a result of that, primarily with the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with me this morning, Father. Protect these precious women from anything that I might say that is not your will for them. Let my words be pleasing to you. If I misuse or represent your word or your will, Father, I pray that you would just erase what I said from their minds. Let every thought be held captive to your word and your intention. Bless these mothers, so precious and eager to glorify you with their lives, serving their children and their families. I love their sweethearts. Your word's not mine this morning, Father, to your amazing glory alone in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for having me. I'm a roamer, by the way, and this microphone, I'm just, you know, if I, you see this going on, it's because I just, I'm dying to get out there. It's kind of hard. I heard the, the message on uh, CD that I had done last year, and it kind of went like this, blah, 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 So I'm going to try to kind of stay put, but that's not my nature. Before we uh, talk about budgets, I want to get a little bit of information from you. Tell me uh, how budgets are going in your family. Um, would you say, with a show of hands, that you and your husband are on the same page regarding your finances in your household? Th those of you who are, raise your hands. Whoa, I am so impressed. <laughs> that is very good. For those of you who would say that you're on, uh, not on the same page, would you suggest, and you don't, this is not a confessional, you don't have to raise your hand, but would you suggest that you're not even in the same book? Thank you, sister. I was right there where you are. Now, you would be surprised because it was I who did not want to be controlled or managed by a budget. My husband was the frugal, spender, responsible one. Woo, can you imagine? I was the one who just wanted to have a good time. And the idea of anyone budgeting or controlling me through a budget, I worked 
you know, for, for goodness sakes, why would you tell me what I can do with the money that I earn? It's mine. And I'm going to tell you that's false thinking, but we'll get to that point in just a minute. Um, the theme that you have, and I have a handout underneath all those papers there for you, a couple actually. One's a list of scripture that I'll be using today because we want to talk about how God expects us to use our resources, and the other is just sort of an outline of what we're talking about today. But your theme is really fantastic for talking about budgeting. Um, it's a great segue about how God expects us to use our resources. Um, this is kingdom talk, by the way, and if you are a Christian and you talk about God and resources, those who don't know what you know may not understand what you're saying. And so I realize this. So. Um, so what we're going to base it on is primarily what God says about how we manage our resources. Your scripture verse says, forget the former things. I am still trying to forget the way I used to be. Do not dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Amen? Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm giving you streams in the wasteland. God has certainly done a new thing in my life in the area of finances and budgeting. And hopefully, if you've got it all together already, maybe you'll just learn a new way to do it that would uh, tweak your currently successful system. I hope that. My husband and I facilitated maybe four or five sessions of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, if you've heard of that. And this is kind of a funny story. I believe in the system. Uh, I have used it. If I say that I think that this chair will hold me up, but I refuse to sit in it, I'm not showing much safe in the faith in the belief of that system, right? But we have used Financial Peace University, and this, how, this is how it went. Many years ago, before coming to Cape Bible Chapel, uh, our pastor at the time asked me if Dick and I would facilitate Financial Peace University. And I said, I, I think we will. Now, it didn't matter to me if I was facilitating women's Bible study, if I was teaching bridge, which I do, or if I was uh, doing a cooking demonstration, because I just like to do this. So if I can have a chance to meet with a bunch of people and get to tell them what to do, I'm like, I'm on board with that. You know, I, I will do that. But my husband, you know, as things, as, as uh, life really is, did you marry someone who's the opposite of you, by the way? Anybody else do that besides me? Okay. We are so opposite. Uh, he is a saver. I am a spender. Oh, yeah, I love it. And he is a filer. I am a piler. Yes, that's right. I am very uh, gregarious. He is very shy and reserved. So there wasn't really much going on in our household that, um, that we agreed about. But it worked for us, except in the area of finances. And I could count on one hand the number of arguments we'd had up to that point of marriage, and they all had to do with money. Um, I don't know what it is about money that brings out the very best in us, but uh, it happens. So he said to me surprisingly when I went home and said, the pastor wants to know if we'll lead Financial Peace University. And I knew he wasn't going to lead anything because he didn't want to stand up and talk to anyone. So uh, he stopped for a minute and he said, you know, I think that might be a good idea. And I said, really? And he said, yes, but if we do it, we're going to have to implement it in our household. <laughs> Help me, Rhonda. You are not going to start telling me what to do just because I want to lead a group. And he said, well, then we're not leading the group. 
oh, I just hate it when he makes sense, you know? So, which he does most of the time. And so, guess what? We started doing it in the summer before we facilitated in the fall. And I was very resistant to the whole thing. Um, I can say that it, this sounds so corny, and I know it does, but it really did change our lives. I, I'm so serious when I tell you that. Um, it really made such a difference. You know, I grew up in, uh, in a, an area of the United States, can you guess where? And, you know, we, we stood on a lot of protocol. And one of the things that we agreed, kind of the unspoken rule, is you don't really talk about money. It's rude. Rude is a big word in my life. You know, um, everything was rude. And so you didn't talk about how much money you had. That was really rude. And you didn't talk about how much money you spent on something. That was rude. And you didn't talk about how much money you didn't have. That was rude, too. So talking to my husband about money before we got married would be rude. So I didn't know that we were polar opposites in that area. And so finally, through Financial Peace University, we came together on something. He's very gracious and generous to me in the area of, um, well, grace. <laughs> he forgives me a lot. And uh, after going through that program, uh, many things I learned, and one was that I had the heart to respond to what God said about our resources in many areas. You know, money is not immoral. It has no character value whatsoever. It's not good and it's not bad. It just is. And what we do with or how we relate to money, that is what makes it sinful or immoral. It says not that money is the root of all evil, Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil, and surely it is. Um, I think God knew that about us. That's why he put so many verses in the Bible about how we manage our money. I was, um, uh, let me, where is that thing here? This little snapshot right here. These are verses in the Bible that have to do with money, that many is that amazing? One author said 800, another said 2,000. I think that's a lot. Um, I love the way your verse uh, ties into the idea of budgeting, that we would not go back to our old ways and the way we view money if we have a problem in our households right now with it, that we would not be like the crazy Israelites and say, I want to roam around in the desert for a little longer in this area of budgeting. Let me, do, let me say this before we get uh, deep into it. I'm not going to tell you how to get rich. We are already rich in the grace and mercy of Christ Jesus and our salvation through him. Um, we are going to learn to be good stewards with our money. So rich in what we're talking about, we're already rich. Well, I think I heard in a Beth Moore uh, study once that you were rich if you could afford, a, if you had a book, if you could read and you could afford to own one. So we are certainly rich. But I don't know what it is about the topic of God and money that just puts people's teeth on edge. I think it is the abuse by maybe some uh, national, um, I want to say TV evangelists maybe, that have misused. But personally, I have never been misled by a local pastor or elder or body in the area of money. I hope you haven't either. And if you cannot trust your church and your um, elders, or I don't know how your church is organized, but 
you need to evaluate where you are or you need to evaluate your own heart. So don't be afraid to, to give consideration, certainly, to money and God in the same sentence. He has a lot to say about it. He knew uh, that it would be a, a point of contention for us in our lives in some ways. If we have a problem with money, I think it stems from a false view of God and money. And one of those false views might be that God takes from us instead of giving to us. In Psalms it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give your, your heart's desires. Well, the point is take delight in the Lord. When you like what the Lord's like, he's going to bless you with so much more of that, right? Um, let me also back up and make this clear. We're not going to talk about you give to the Lord and he gives to you because that would be prosperity gospel. But the truth of the matter is he will bless your obedience and following his precepts and principles and the blessing that comes to you may not have anything to do with money it may be even greater than financial uh, advantage which would be peace and contentment and joy and the blessings that God has to give to us uh, he wants you to be the master over your money you remember that the Bible says that you can't serve two two masters you can't serve God and money and he wants you to be the master over your money. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Romans 8.32 says, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give us everything else? In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, Trust in the living God. God is the living God, isn't he? Don't you see him today in the land of the living? He's so good to me, and I know he's so good to you. I just praise, I just praise him. He's wonderful. Uh, he richly gives us all we need. And then it goes on to say in Timothy, not just what we need, he gives it to us for our enjoyment. He wants to see us enjoy ourselves. So money certainly is not evil. Um, he's just a big giver by nature, really. God is a God who blesses us, and he will be the best thing that ever happened in your finances when you insert him into that conversation. Another skewed look of, um, of dealing with God and money is that we really deserve everything we have, that we uh, worked for it, that we earned it, that it's ours, and that is just a big fat lie. It isn't. We do own things. We have things, but they're not ours. They are given to us by the grace of God. He taught us a talent to earn that income, or our spouses if you're not working and your husband is. Um, he is letting us steward or um, manage that for a time. And um, what a sweet blessing that is, isn't it? It belongs to him. So the first thing we need to do is to start with a not mine attitude as we begin to think about how God wants us to use our resources to his good glory. That's a heart issue, really. Um, he expects us to be planners and be intentional about those resources that he gives us. So, um, before Financial Peace University, have y'all ever heard of the B word? In my household, it was budget. My husband would say the word bridge is <laughs> the B word. I'd just love for him to learn bridge. He's not going to. Okay, so um, if that bothers you, who, who is the spender in your family? Are you a spender or are you a saver? Oh, come on, girls. I know you are all not savers. Tell me, who's a spender? Okay, 
I've got me some girlfriends and spending. <laughs> We're going to have to take a second small group together or something, right? <laughs> and I'm going to have another table go over there for not telling the truth. I don't know. I just don't think that's right. Well, <laughs> in most households, it is the husband who wants to save and the wife who is the spender. Not all the time, but sometimes. I mean, most of the time, I, in the counseling I've done, I've seen it that way. So B word budget was not a good word for me, and um, I found that when I changed my paradigm, so spenders, change your paradigm, and instead of thinking about us talking about a budget, let's talk about a spending plan. Now, if Dick said to me, Kim, I want you to come in here, and we're going to talk about how we're going to spend some money. I'm like, just a minute, I'm going, because I can sit down and talk about spending some money. I love to... Um, I love to spend money, I guess. I don't know. I, I have a new idea about it, but I'd be on board with that plan if he said, Kim, come in here and let's put a budget together. I'd go, oh, I'm busy. So um, budgeting is a spending plan. Proverbs 2.15 said, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. So we're going to plan, right? Uh, but anyone who is hasty, and I think about those emotional purchases that we can make. Have you ever seen that purse you can't afford, but you just think you have to have it? Because you have some shoes that would really go with it. Home, that is a hasty thought, and that will lead to, Proverbs says, poverty. Those are emotional purchases. A wise man will think ahead. A fool doesn't, and he even brags about it. That's in Scripture. Isn't that the truth? So God intends for us to be planners and good stewards with our money and our resources. And our resources could also include time, spiritual gifts, as well as money. We are to be salt and light, and we are to be different. And what I'm about to talk to you about is different. It isn't the way the world uh, sees things uh, for sure. What I hope you will get to is in your budgeting process that you will pay next month's bills with last month's money. In other words, you'll get a month ahead instead of always chasing after Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. Um, and that creates margin. And what God expects you to do with your resources is to be generous. And I'm going to give you an example. And, and I'm not saying this so you'll think I'm all that because I have made every manner of mistake when it comes to managing money. I've made the stupidest decisions in the world um, and Dick let me because he loves me and he wants me to be happy and he thought that would make me happy and it did for mm, five minutes. So um, uh, I was in Schnucks yesterday and don't be impressed with me. I'm just trying to give you an example about putting some margin in your life so you can be a blessing because you've been blessed. I was in Schnucks the other day and I was checking out and now listen, I am a recovering Pharisee. I like rules and regulations. I want to put check mark by everything. Do y'all do that? I was like, yeah, check, got that. Hate to do a thing twice. And so I'm in line, I'm in the 20 item or less line. And I'm looking down going, oh, I might have 21 items. If that would just make me a nervous wreck. I wouldn't want anyone to think I'd break a rule, you know. So I happen to know the checker by name, and, and this guy's checking out his two kids. One's like 12 and the other one's 10. And, um, and I looked up, she's checked him out, he's running his credit card, and I said, I'm so relieved. I have 18 items. I thought I was going to have to go to aisle 11. She said, Kim, we would have checked you out anyway. I said, oh, no, no, I would never break a rule. And we're just having this joke between. In fact, she was in one of my Financial Peace University classes, actually. And, um, and so about that time, the cash register dings, and she looks at the guy, and she said, your card didn't go through. 
And the guy said, um, oh, I'm from out of state. And I don't know if y'all use credit cards. Have you ever been out of state and they rejected it because you weren't in your own zip code and they didn't know you were going? So now we have to call, you know, Visa and Discover, which I hope you don't have any of those, but uh, and tell them, you know, where you're going tomorrow. Does the world know where you are every minute of every day? It's pathetic. So I felt sorry for the guy's two little girls standing there and his credit card won't go through. And so, you know, I'm standing there waiting, of course, always in a hurry and late. And so I said, let me just pay for his groceries. And she goes, really? And I said, absolutely. So I reached in, gave her the money for it. She gave me the receipt. And a little older girl came over to me and I said, baby, is that your daddy? And she said, yes. And I said, well, here, y'all get your groceries and, you know, have a good day. And he came over and he said, what? what? And I said, well, I, you know, I just, I could see you were having trouble and it looks like you need to go someplace and you're from out of state and y'all look like a nice family. So here, you know, and here's my name and address and you can send me a check. And he said, wow, you know, I can't believe you did that. I didn't have a second's hesitation to do that. Why? Because God laid it on my heart to do it, number one. I mean, I don't go around passing out cash. I'm not trying to give you that impression. I don't. I've never done that before. And two, I could. I could do it because I had been given margin in my life by planning my spending and opportunity for giving when I see it. Okay? I want you to get to that point. You have no idea what, what joy it will give you to have that kind of peace in your financial realm. I haven't gotten a check back. Um, but Dick said, when I got home, I told him about it. I thought, he's going to think I've, you know, lost my mind. And I told him what happened, and he said, well, you know, if, if the guy never sends the money, he said, we're not going to starve over $57.63. And I'm glad you responded to the Spirit's urging for you to help this man. And he, this is what Dick said, especially because his daughters were with him. Amen? Sweet. It's sweet to save his... Uh, save his circumstance in front of his daughters. Um, don't be sad about where you are financially, and don't be sad about where you've been. Because as I said, I've made every manner of mistake. Uh, I will mention one, and it would be a, a, um, a lesson unto itself. If you don't hear anything else, this may save you tens of thousands of dollars. Do not buy a timeshare. <laughs> I mean, really, that's about all I have to say about that, but I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to confess to you, not only do I have one, I have two. You can't get rid of them. They're not worth anything. And all they do is cost you over and over and over again. Now, I've just saved you a lot of money. Save the money. Go on vacation. And if you think it's too good to be true, it really is. And we'll, we can't get rid of it. We cannot get rid of it. I can't even give it to somebody because then they have to pay the maintenance. Okay, I'm going, I'm chasing a rabbit now. Just trust me, don't go in the timeshare thing. So what I'm trying to say is I've made every mistake, and um, I have. But hopefully I've learned from it. Um, God wants us to control the resources, not have the resources control us. So step one on your handout. Now, I've given you Dave Ramsey's handouts, uh, too. It's in that packet, but I, I kind of put some other stuff in here. You need to transfer ownership of everything you have to God because that's who really owns it, and that's the point I really want to make. And, you know, I would also say along those same lines, give something. Now, 
I could do an hour-long program on tithing and giving. Um, we don't have time for that, but I'm just saying there is something supernatural that happens, particularly when you give sacrificially. It is in God has sacrificed for you, and he expects you to do the same. And when you stretch, he will provide. I'm not saying prosperity gospel. I don't mean that at all. I told you that before. It may be a blessing of another matter, but giving does something that I really can't explain to you. There are a lot of things about God I can't explain, but praise him for giving them, right? So, so very true. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns every penny in your bank account. He owns every dollar in your husband's wallet, and he owns every dime that's stuck down in the bottom of your purse, couch, or in your dryer catcher. So that is a very good point to get a hold of. The second one would be to evaluate. Now, this is where it gets really boring, and I don't really have a, a funny story to tell you about this. So if you want to take a nap, don't do it now because it's very important, at least to the next thing. Amen, April? April's been in our Financial Peace University. You don't mind me telling you that, to you, do you, April? April and Joe were so faithful uh, to come, and I just got to know them so well. That's a great thing about doing all this, isn't it? You just get to know people. What a blessing that is. I love y'all. Um, so, the first thing you're going to do is evaluate. If you can't talk to your husband about money, this is a good opportunity to do it because this is a non-threatening part of the process. So, in your packet, you have something called the quickie budget. That's probably like page three or so. And this just gives you an overview of where you are. It's non-threatening. It's not hard to do. And it just says, this is how much money we have coming in. This is how much we have going out. And this is what's left over at the end. It doesn't even address your credit card bills if you have them. In one Financial Peace University class, we had a family who had $168,000 in debt. And that did not include their mortgage. So people are slaves to credit cards. It can happen so fast. So, um, and I'm going to get onto that in a minute. This, this particular quickie budget doesn't really address your credit cards. That's step two. Do a quickie budget with your husband. It's the first step in talking about money. Step three, and I'm going to have to go fast, is to save $1,000. If your uh, annual income is $20,000 or less, save $500. Why? Because men like to control the idea of having a savings account. Women like the security of having a savings account because next step we're going to get, we're going to dig down in it and to know that you have a thousand dollars sitting on over here in case a plumbing pipe bursts allows you to go after your budget with gazelle intensity. I mean to just hit it with everything for a short time until you get it taken care of and then you can, you can fall back a little bit. Uh, so that, that savings account is also the first step in um, uh, preparing for the future. So I would say that's an important step. Now, the next thing, and the really hard part, is the monthly cash flow plan. And you have one of those in your packet. This is where you start dealing with those credit cards and you start assigning your money to a particular um, uh, uh, debt or responsibility. That's what I'm trying to say. You're planning where your money should go. If you get to the end of it and you have money left over, um, and and I, we already said we're going to give, we're going to save, and we're going to assign where our money goes. If you have money left over then, uh, and your debt is paid off, then that emergency fund of $1,000, you're going to start funding it further. 
and a real emergency fund looks like three to six months of your required expenses in the bank in a savings account. Not in a mutual fund, you can't get to that. Not in an IRA or Roth, whatever. You, you can't get to those. This is three to six months necessary expenses saved so that when an emergency comes, you can deal with it. People lose their jobs. If that happened to you, could you live? You can if you've prepared for it, and that, um, that's why the emergency fund is so important. Um, that monthly cash flow plan, you'll want to make 12 copies of that. Those coincide with the months of the year, and you'll fill it out at the end of the month for next month. Notice the asterisks by some of the items on that page. Those are what we want to use for cash spending only. Remember, we're, we're not going to rack up any more debt, so we're going to start paying with cash. And you have some envelopes on your table, and uh, these are the, uh, the suggestions of cash purchases that Dave Ramsey gives us. And I do this, I actually, because I'm a nerd about this, I have about 15 envelopes. I have a hair fund. You could put that in personal if you wanted to. I have a toiletries and cosmetics fund. I have, you know, I mean, I, I just divide everything up. I, I don't know why. I'm just nerdy like that, but I do. Um, so this is a great plan. It's harder to spend money than it is to use a credit card or a debit card. So try it and see if it will work for you to start using cash instead of a credit card. Some people say, well, okay, how much should I allow for this or for that? The next page in your handout is a little graphed, and, and this is just a kind of a quick and dirty rule about what percentages of your income could go to, you know, whatever. To me, mine look like this, well, they did. They don't look like this now because Dick is retired and we have no debt and uh, even our house is paid off so the housing amount goes to something else. But if you're, if you're still uh, earning income and paying a house, this is a good kind of thumbnail look. Let me just say about housing too, do not, uh, be, do not succumb to peer pressure about where you live or what you're living in. You need a nice, clean house for your family. You don't need to overspend and strap yourself and be house poor to impress people that love you just because you're who you are. They don't care what your house looks like. It happens so often, particularly in young people, and I hate to see them get all bound up in the house. I mean, because you want to be able to go someplace beside your house, don't you? I sure do. Um, Food includes groceries and restaurants. Automobiles. Now, I'm going to try to make this short, but this is a lesson unto itself. Dave Ramsey would say, and I agree, do not buy a car you can't afford. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't even know what cars look like. You know, like if you're driving an Oldsmobile and you're driving a Mercedes, I can't tell the difference. I don't know. Most people don't care. Why do you? I mean, you know, they just cost so much more. And a new car is so ridiculous because the minute you buy it, you drive it off the lot, it depreciates by about 20% right there. You lose that money. The people who buy a new car, uh, drive it for four years, turn around and trade it and buy another new car, they've lost the maximum amount of money they can lose in a car right there. That's the formula for really flushing money down the toilet. 
buy a good used car that's dependable. You know, I told you that uh, my background, we kind of stand on protocol, and, and it's an, sort of an unwritten rule that you will live uh, in, the, in the nicest environment you can afford to live without stretching, and you will drive the least amount of car you can drive to be safe. Anything other than that is just tacky. That's what they say. I was raised like that. This is why I am the way I am, because I was raised that way. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Proverbs, money is so pretentious. I mean, it, it just pretends. It is so false. Proverbs 13, 7 says, One man pretends to be rich and has nothing. I love that verse. Another man is rich but pretends he has nothing. This is the guy. My mother used. My mother was such a hoot. She was so fun. She would say, um, there are so many thousandaires. I <laughs> just thought that was funny. You know, people who are trying to look like they've got all that, and they really don't. That's, my mother called those a thousandaire. And then, um, then there's the guy that is filthy rich, and he won't pay his bills, or he pays them late, or, um, you know, he won't tip. The waitress is working for the tip, and he gives, you know, 2% or leaves a couple of pennies on the table. For crying out loud, that is ridiculous. So that's, I mean, does that verse, that verse was written so long ago, I don't even know. And how true it is for us today. Oh, the Bible is just rich with truth, isn't it? It's just so practical. So insurance, this is another topic that could be uh, an hour long. Let me just say this shortly. Have an insurance agent you can trust. One who is not just trying to uh, um, pile on uh, products for his own commission. He's got to eat too, I get it. But you need what you need and you don't need what you don't need. So you want to go to somebody that you can trust for that. And now we're getting to debt. Debt should be zero percent. Zero. That's what we're striving for. It's not maybe where you are right now, but we want you to get there. One way to do that is to take the debt snowball. How many have ever heard of the debt snowball? Okay. You're going to take all of your debt and, um, and you're going to take the, the least thing you owe. Your Visa card is $500. That's the one you're going to kick out first. You're going to pay minimum amount on everything except that. And then every extra penny you get, you're going to put it toward that debt on the $500 bill. Whatever you're putting on that, you're now going to roll on to your next one, next least one, and go after that until it's gone. And we're just going to eat that debt up until it's not there anymore. And look how much money you would have. The interest, the penalties, it's insane. If you had a, a credit card and you were paying $80 a month interest, what you could do with $80? I mean, really, you're, I just, I don't know. Entertainment and recreation, I would say, um, you know, we, we want to do things with our family, and that's an important account. Give yourself something there as well as a little blow money. Clothes, I'm not even going to get into name brands. You know about that already. Savings we talked about, and the other expenses in your budget. Um, I do want to say one thing about maintenance and care of your home. Your children are learning from you. And if you don't mow your yard, or you don't do your laundry, or you don't, mop your own floor occasionally. Oh, you should see my house right now. Oh, it just makes me want to scream. I'd be so embarrassed. Oh, I could not have you there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so serious. It just, I had to, oh, it's awful. Then your children are not going to learn to do those things either. 
My husband mowed, we have almost two acres in our yard, and my husband mows every bit of that. And you know what? My two-year, three-year-old granddaughter was out picking up acorns and putting them in a bucket yesterday with him, and it was a game for her. But she was seeing Poppy do the work around the house, and she was helping. So we took them home. We have the privilege of having two of our nine grandchildren here in town, and listen, I could eat them with a spoon. I love them so much. I love them. All my grandchildren call me Mimi, except the youngest one, who now has changed my name to Memes. I'm memes now. So I, I said, uh, baby girl, you were so good to help Poppy today in the yard, and we forgot to pay you. Or she's looking at me. She doesn't even know what that means. And so I said, here, go get your bank. I gave her 50 cents in nickels, and she got her little bank. She brought it in, and she just starts putting the nickels in the little bank. Well, Henry's standing there. Who won't do anything? And so he said, I picked up a nut. I said, well, here's a nickel. <laughs> so, you know, your children learn from you. And I bet you when Henry comes over the next time, I bet he's going to pick up some nuts. Not one nut. I bet he's going to pick up some nuts. So we teach our kids, let them see you doing things and maintaining your house because that's where you live and this is your home. And you're just teaching them. And you're teaching them for their spouse, who I know you're praying for, even though they're three. I do that. I do that, too. I gave you Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps, which I've just gone on, but I added a few of my own that I think have been helpful. Um, I'm going to stop now because I see the time is getting away, and I, I just have so much more to say. You know I do. Um, are, do I have time for questions, Deb, or no? Does anyone have a question about budgeting? Yes. That is a really long answer, but I have a form for that. <laughs> there, is a, there is a form for that that you project that income, and that's when getting ahead a month is so important because you can't depend on what you're going to have the next month coming in. So that's when savings and diligence and planning really come in. But I do, I do literally have a form for that, and that's a very good question to plan. You just, it's harder. You just have to get ahead of it instead. Yeah, but the bonus is that sometimes you make more than you expected, and that helps you get ahead that way. Because I, I know Wynn does great work. If y'all haven't seen his stuff, he made a beautiful coffee table for Katie and Adam. And I don't lust much, but I really would like to have that coffee table. <laughs> Are there any other questions? Uh huh. Oh, it's the hardest thing in the world. Um, to uh, Are you the one who wants to budget, or are you restrictive? You're a budgeter? Good. That's great. It's hard because you, this does not, you don't want this uh, to cause discourse. And I would say starting with a quickie budget first and agreeing that you're going to designate where your money goes, that you're, you're going to be master over it. In other words, let's just not, you know, haphazardly go about life. Let's try to give ourselves some direction for the future and our children, whatever, I, would, I don't want to manipulate, but whatever they find important, that's probably what's going to get them to that point, and it's probably their children. Um, you know, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have kids, right, because it's mops. 
That's, uh, no, never mind. <laughs> Mothers of preschoolers, I was going to say um, managers of little peeps or something. That's not, way. That's not what I was going to say, but anyway. Everybody wants that question. Everybody does. It's not, yes, it is a great question because um, a lot of people will use that argument. But here's the deal. If you will take out the smallest uh, debt first, if you will tackle that, number one, you get success early, and that motivates you to continue. And number two, then you get to roll that that you were spending on that debt into the next one, and, um, and, and so it's like time value of money. And so it multiplies the effort because you're, you're knocking that out and you're applying what you were spending there, paying there, onto the next bill. So it allows you to, to build on that. It's a very good question, and everyone has that question, surely. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the short answer to that. She's asking about uh, investing, and that's another hours program. But let me just give you a short answer if we have time. You, you tell me when it's over. Okay, this last question. Um, if, if you're not investing now and your, uh, your employer, your husband's, empl your husband's employer, matches investing, uh, invest a, as much as you can that they match. If they will match 3% of your income, save 3% of your income. You're getting 3% free, so take advantage of that. But if you don't have your debt knocked out, don't, no, no, mortgage, uh, it starts like maybe step five or so, yeah. It includes car, though. The other thing about investing is that, so, so you're going to do what your employer matches, because you're, now you're getting their money, right? That's sweet. And then you're going to, uh, each of you can uh, purchase a Roth IRA, and that is about $2,000 each year that you are limited to but can buy. And you're going to, uh, that's tax-free when you take it out. Wonderful. How many times do you get to do that? None. So that's good. And, uh, and then you'll talk about investing more of your income. And that will be on that percentage sheet. But those are the, the first steps that you're going to start with. Matching through the employer and then the Roth IRA. And then if you get those tackled, you can go on further. Okay, I'm not going to take another question, but if you had one, does MOPS have a Facebook page or something like that? Okay, if there are other questions, you could give them to Adrian. I'll answer them on the Facebook page maybe, something like that. Okay, let me pray to close us out, please. Um, Father God... Um, we are so encouraged by the riches of your word and how practical they are in our lives. What I hope hasn't happened is that I've rushed through this to the end here and crammed too much in that's just mind-boggling. Father, I would just ask, Lord, that you and your Holy Spirit, uh, Father, your uh, omniscient wisdom, that you would bring uh, under conviction where there needs to be a change for, uh, in lives and in households and in futures, and that in the doing that your glory would be seen uh, that it would be seen through us in the powerful oh, and the precious name of Jesus Christ. And all the women said, amen. Thank you.